Hey, everybody. Welcome to our Economics Happy Hour podcast. My name is Matt Rosu. And I'm Jadrian Wooten. Uh, excited to have you here today. We think we've got some uh, good stuff lined up. This will drop in mid-February, as those who are downloading it know. It's the last day of January, so I am still dry unless I, at seven, I figure maybe I can go on London time, but you know, not <laughs> until seven at a minimum. So I'm doing yet another uh, Virgin Moscow Mule tonight. Um, what, what do you have tonight, Jadrian? We really should have, I feel like in hindsight, it was fine to do it today, but I feel like we really should have planned to do this tomorrow, so it could have been your first drink. Um, I am having, so I was a little late to this recording, uh, so I'll publicly apologize to Matt as part of my uh, running late. Um, part of why I, part of why I ran late was my fault because I was trying to leave campus. The other part of why I was late was I was furiously digging through my mini fridge, checking the back of each one. I picked up a six pack at Kroger, a pick your own six. I'd pull one out and I go, oh no, this is from Charlotte. And I put it. And I pull out the second one and I go, oh, this is from Cincinnati. And, I put the, and so I was trying to find you a Virginia one. So I had to dig deep in the back of the fridge. I have the Whiter Shade ah. from Star Hill Brewery, a white IPA. Okay. Uh, Star Hill was the one I had, I don't know how many episodes ago, but it was the Chloe. It was a cranberry orange sour and I really liked it. So we're going to go with a white IPA. I don't Very think cool. I've ever had a white IPA. I have. They, they can be quite delicious, so. Um, I also have some good news that I'll share. Uh, I'll say semi good news. Given our, we we have converted at least one listener uh, to Untapped. Uh, one of our favorite economists, Brian O'Rourke, is hey, now Brian, on Untapped. He told me uh, he said he's earned lots of badges because he's getting all those like when you first sign up badges. You've, you've got your first beer, yeah. yeah. Um, so Brian, thank you for listening. We love your comments. Uh, yeah, and and um, a shout out to Brian for. He's kind of helped on the topic for today. He gave a yeah. recommendation for today's topic. So this is Brian O'Rourke Day. Um, so Brian O'Rourke today, uh, <laughs> economist at Robert Morris University. For those who don't know, and um, and the co-author author of a really on, cool book. Yeah, all sorts of cool book. Uh, co-author on the Essentials of Economics with uh, Dirk Mateer and Lee Kopic, and he's written some superhero econ books. I know he's done Harry Potter economic stuff. I don't know if he's written a Harry Potter econ book. I don't think so. Um, but um, he's also the editor of the Journal of Economics Teaching. Yep, he's, he's a jack of all trades, and he is actually a master of a lot of things, too. So he's he's very good at what he does. And he clearly doesn't sleep with all. The no. stuff he does, so. <laughs> and he's probably going to be very embarrassed that we're saying all these really nice things yeah. about him publicly. That's, um, that's, that's part of the fun. So. Yeah. Go buy Brian's book. So we'll, we'll make yeah, it a yeah. book pitch. Brian did not tell us to do this, but uh, Brian has two superhero economics books that are really interesting. Um, so go buy Brian's book. Uh, yep. He helped us with today's topic. So uh, by the time people see this, it will be over. But later this week, I go to Florida for cheers, um, virtual cheers. But uh, I go to Florida later this week and present with Brian to oh, cool. some high school teachers, which I'm very awesome. excited about. So we're, um, we each had an hour and we said, let's combine to two and we'll just go back and forth. So a little bit, um, that should be fun. What pop culture thing did I see you present recently? I went uh, to your session. Where did you, Appy? No, you didn't go to Appy. Um, was it the um, Game of Thrones? I was at Appy. So. Oh, okay. Then I sat at your Game of Thrones Appy session. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. um, no, that was good. Uh, interesting. So in econ, it's always this interesting, like if you're doing something, 
you, you don't want to do something somebody else has done. Mm-hmm. And so, like, we're like, hey, let's think about economics of Game of Thrones. And I did a pretty big search, and I couldn't find anybody who had really done much on it. I'd seen a there was a game theory presentation on it before, but not really general economics. And so, I'm thinking, yeah, let's buy the domain name and start to do clips and present it at Appy. And then I heard from somebody, um, you know, was, uh, Aaron Yetter, I believe it was Aaron who told me he was another just superstar economist, um, especially on teaching methods saying yeah i just heard from linda linda gent and she's she's doing this like the same thing and so i reached out right away and they were thinking of doing a game theory site and we actually collaborated with them mm-hmm. so it's um the moral of the story i guess it's good to present your work early you never know where you can find good good collaborations but we've been working um the site is actually live it's still incomplete and rough so don't judge us on it yet but you can still you can find a bunch of clips on it and got a student who's doing a great work you know puts in you know his main job is being a student but is puts in bailey? some hours per week what is this bailey uh this no bailey's actually graduated okay. and um he's uh killing it in the in the quote unquote real world now <laughs> uh no it's actually a first year student who's just a website guy i do i am bringing two students to appy though which will be awesome um and no, so so it's good stuff. So any econ thrones, if you want a sneak peek of what we're working on, but uh, don't, it's not quite final yet. So you have to put up with some of the. Uh, so speaking of moving fast and being the first one to do things, um, I don't know if I actually ever told you this. I think I might have emailed you about it. I was very mad at you um, I, because you I me. had, oh, did I about yeah. you scooping me on some, not only did you scoop it, but like you had it published before I ever wrote it. Um, I had this great idea of like, hey, let's take uh, music and link it to agricultural economics. Like my PhD was at an ag school, an ag econ school. And so I like even like partnered up with somebody who I went to school with. She does ag econ stuff. And I was like, this is going to be great. Nobody's doing this. And then like a month and a half later, I get a notification from Google that says, Matt has published a paper on teaching teaching ag econ policy with music so i i had talked about that with people like five or six years ago and like it got stalled and then i finally found uh found somebody wanted to do it the funny thing is is if we had if i had mentioned i'd wanted to do it you probably would have said yeah let's do that together i Uh, had a playlist ready like i had songs some of the songs are not ones that you picked but i was like i can't i can't publish it now (laughs) like no that's um there was that, and then I remember you saying like you really moved to get some Squid Game stuff out right away. I remember you we, also saying that. We published that. I have never worked on a project faster than the economics of Squid Game. Um, yeah. I'm so I, if I remember correctly, the timing of everything. I think the TV show came out like November 2021, and we had a working paper online like January 2022. Like within months, um, we had put something online because we're like. This is going to be huge. Um, and I've just never, I've never worked that fast and I don't like working that fast. No, the, uh, but it was, it was good work. It was interesting. And yeah, it's been tough. really, it's been really popular so far. Um, we're excited for a season two. Um, and, you know, the hardest part is just getting people to use it because it's just so bloody. Uh, so all the clips, it's the same Game of Thrones problem. Um, but you have at least some more dialogue. That there's you can a, there's a lot of dialogue. And we we have censored ourselves on stuff, um, even though like the psycho is adult and kids can access anything. Yeah. Um, there was a great scene in a brothel mm-hmm. with about like monopolistic competition and our brothel offers slightly different things than the other brothels. But like 
oh, there's, you know, like there's naked women everywhere. And I'm like, I just, no, I'm just not going to, we're not going to have that on our site. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's a great clip, but you know, they'll have to be content with the other 70 great clips. That's just yeah. one we're not going to put on there. We had to get um, real creative. Like I was, it's, I've never had to like sit down and like watch a show and try to creatively clip out people being beheaded falling off of rock right i'm like there's just like so many cuts yeah. between all of this um wow. but they're wow. fun projects i i've tried i've started to move away a little bit from uh pop culture econ and i say that as i'm in the middle of writing two pedagogy papers uh with other people but i'm, I'm trying to do a little bit more empirical stuff mm-hmm. uh just to give myself like a mental break like i've been doing too much too much teaching econ and not enough like researching econ so that's no that's fair that's fair um so well our topic today like the main topic we wanted to cover once again mentioned uh thanks to brian for planting the seed for us to Mm -hmm. do this was uh was to discuss the economics of population growth or really to be more accurate the what are the economic implications if with a population decline Mm -hmm. it's certainly not a topic that i have been addressing in my classes uh i don't know that there's that much out there so i mean i think the first thing at least for me i cannot claim to be a genius on this topic uh so it's about as humble as i'll be as i'm trying to make my cases on things yeah you know i think i'm trying to flash back to everything i've learned about economics i'm fairly confident you know, maybe uh, correct me if I'm wrong. If you learned something different, I feel like I we always learn about growth from population growth. Um, I don't really remember ever like learning about theories or models related to economic de- or population decline. Um, I don't. I I present it as an option in my principles class. I say, you know, an increase in population increases demand, and I always say like you could have a decrease in population, but I always kind of blow it off as like that'll never happen. Like, but it, it does. It happens a lot of places, not just like globally low, like it's local. Yeah. And even, I think the worst part is I talk about it in the sense of like college campuses, uh, college campuses see a massive increase in population, then a massive decrease, then an increase and then a decrease. Um, but for whatever reason, I feel like I, I never learned about models of models or research around population sure. decline. The one thing in researching this topic a bit that I think I'm most confident on is those who are super confident on their particular takes, I'm going to discount them. Okay. Because I, I think this is a case where, and maybe it's because I'm got the audiobook for uh Thomas Sowell's knowledge and decisions, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, the central argument, right. That people who, knowledge is so dispersed within the economy that it's any one person can't possibly figure it out it's the individual knowledge that different people lower at a lower level have i think it's it's there's some big things i think we'll be able to parse out here but i also think those who are super confident and arrogant are really setting themselves up for foolishness and i think there have been cases of that actually on the opposite side that i'm going to point out in a moment well so i wonder how much of it is how much of it is confidence that makes you feel that you need to discount them versus their actual statements? 
right? So there's times where, so I think about like the Dunning-Kruger effect, right? Like the really confident people, I, I, like I have, I have a research paper with Ben Smith on this, where like, uh, if you want attention, just be really confident. You don't have to be accurate. Um, the louder you shout, and if you're wrong, like nobody remembers it in a decade. Um, but like, if you're right and you're shouting about it, nobody cares about it. So yeah. like, how much of it do you think for you personally, is it, do you think it's their confidence or do you think it's actually like their underlying results well, that you're discounting? Well, I don't know of many people who are talking about population growth with such certainty that I can, mm -hmm. or population decline with decline. certainty. But with population growth, there's just a specific example of uh, the name's Paul Ehrlich. And it's yeah, not- Love this. Love this story. Uh, yeah, it's not, so it's not the confidence, right? He said yeah. in the, basically in the six, late 60s, early 70s, how the world was going to be completely destroyed from population mm -hmm. growth and engaged in a, an actual wager with another scientist that um, I believe it was on commodity prices. He says, what's an objective uh, they thing? Got, they got to pick. Um, so I remember this debate because I talked about in natural resources. Yeah. It is on, uh, they got to pick certain commodities. And I believe the person he debated, or so Ehrlich, Ehrlicher or- uh, uh, Paul Ehrlich Paul, is the Ehrlich. name of the person who was the doomsday. Doomsday. Person. I think the person who made the bet let him pick the price of 10 different things. I think this was the setup. Yep. Yep. That sounds, that sounds correct. Uh, there's a, a fantastic book called the bet. We can put that, yeah. we'll put that in the show notes that I've read. It's been many years, so I can't recall the name of the other person and Ehrlich lost the bet pretty, pretty dramatically. Now I have heard people say, Hey, if you'd taken a different time horizon, mm -hmm. he, he could have won the bet. But but the bet was the bet was like an objective proxy for him saying population growth is going to destroy the whole world. Yeah. I mean, in terms of that, he's failed so miserably. And what just like I cannot fathom, you, you know, you speaking about speaking with confidence. Mm -hmm. This guy was on 60 minutes like two weeks yeah. ago. What I mean, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I have not been, so I've it's not uh, been a, it's Julian Simon. Julian uh, so it's Simon, Simon and yes. Ehrlich, the Simon Ehrlich wager of the 1980s. Uh, so it was non-government control of raw materials was what he uh, got to pick. Okay. So the the bet that he picked it on, I, I found it while you were talking. No, but you're right. Like they're still going, right? It's one of those like, exactly as you said, like if you picked 10 different ones, he would have won. Um, if you do it for a longer time period, yeah. he might've won. Like um, that, that's true, but the, his gen, the general premise of Ehrlich has just failed so miserably that I, I, I don't buy much into, well, he would have won, so his, his yeah. things were so, right. Well, he was saying the world is going to be destroyed. Yeah. Uh, he, so he was, was wrong. Yeah, it, it was five commodities, not, I was wrong, it wasn't, it was five, oh, not ten. Five, not ten. He chose copper, chromium, nickel, tin, and tungsten. Uh, in case you're a curious, if you're a, if you like chemistry, the, uh, those were the five elements he picked. Yeah. And so, and I, I guess he, I mean, he spoke with confidence then and he's still speaking mm -hmm. with confidence now. And I guess that does go to your point. Yeah. You speak with confidence and people will listen and well, many people will forget this one. This was such a, it was so surprising because yeah, certainly there are many comments. I'm sure I've made very incorrect comments 10 years ago, mm -hmm. five years ago, you know, yeah. two days ago, <laughs> but the many of them are forgotten. This one was so public. It's there was quite a quite a few I, people. On I Twitter. think they were on uh, not they were on the Tonight Show. Uh, I don't know who it was. I don't remember who it was back then. Simon Johnny and Ehrlich. Carson. Johnny Carson would have been uh, 80s, certainly. Late Show. Uh, yeah. So this was in. Yeah. His original bet was in the 80s. 
Um, but like they were appearing on like national television to talk about these things. Um, yeah, like right there, like yeah. they were they were massive big bets, and the con- it's the confidence uh, that really got him attention. Yeah, yeah. Was, I think that's the only. You know, they they had like follow up bets, but a lot of the follow up bets were about like climate change. Um, he was basically saying like, okay, it's not population. The climate will ruin all these other things too. Um, and I don't know, like there are, there are parts of the world that are still growing very quickly. Um, and so like, while we might see population decline in like Japan, um, I know the United States is getting close, right? Like the, whatever the replacement, like we're real close to the replacement rate, I think is what I always hear. Um, like what implications that has on things. So I guess like we can recircle back to the, the implications. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what, what, what are some, what are some of the potential downsides? What, yeah. um, what are a couple that you think of? I've got a couple in mind, but. So the easiest link is uh, right, gross domestic products. So GDP is, uh, is, is the amount of stuff that a country is producing or a region is producing. And realistically, if you have fewer people, you might not be able to make as much stuff, but at the same time, you might not need to make as much well, stuff because yeah, you have fewer why, people. Why would we care? This, so if you're making a 75 grand a year, yep. you, does it matter if you're making 75 grand a year and 100 people are also making exactly 75 yeah. or 1,000 are making 75? I think it's the per person that matters a bit. More. Well, and so that's why people, yeah, most of people mostly go to the per person level. Um, but one of the problems I think that we're seeing, we maybe haven't seen it yet, but we're seeing, right. We're living longer. And so what you're getting is you're getting more people who are not part of the labor force who need care and attention, but we don't have that like push from the bottom side to help with things like, right. The argument's always like, we don't have enough people paying taxes to help with social security. Sure, sure. Um, you know, I, that's an argument that's happened. <laughs> We've been talking about that for a while. I think just from like a GDP standpoint, we don't necessarily have enough people at the bottom end to produce things and take care of people who are at the at the older older age. I don't yep, know a yep. nice way to say this, but no, um, we don't have. I mean, yeah, we don't have uh, enough people to take care of people. I think you're. I, I, that was one that I had. It's tougher yep. to fund entitlements was the way I phrased it. But when I was thinking, it's if if the population is declining, almost at the same time, longevity is increasing mm-hmm. which outside of covid it's still generally been increasing even yeah. albeit very slightly in the u.s mm-hmm. um it'll be tougher to fund entitlements because we'll have more older people versus younger people and uh, more retired versus non-retired mm-hmm. i think that's an absolutely that's a that's a pretty key problem yeah. to have to solve on well, that. so you have I, that in, in terms of a funding section but also just as like like the care economy um we just we, I mean, we already struggle to have nurses and healthcare providers as it is. Um, and right, if you have fewer people coming in to be those spots and we just have people getting older, you know, we don't, we don't even have people to take care of a growing aging population. Um, so I, that's where I link it back to GDP in the sense of not necessarily like producing stuff that we're consuming, but like these services that we're going to need to have, especially if you think like long-term where we, I mean, realistically should be I would imagine we just we would just keep living longer, right? That we have more scientific breakthroughs. I, I can't imagine unless it's a pandemic, right? Where we have these dips. Um, yeah, I, I would just expect we just keep getting older and older on average. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, um, and I, I think that is, that is a, that is a key issue. That's yeah. um, the one negative consequence of population decline. I'm sure there's a term for this. I don't know, but there's a tiny percentage, let's say it's one in a hundred million uh, people who are just these super geniuses who come up with innovations and ideas that really mm -hmm. advance economic growth. Mm -hmm. And if we say it's one in a hundred million, let's just say it's that number. I mean, you could pick, you say it's one in a million or whatever number yeah. you want. Um, the fewer, if, if population shrinks, mm -hmm. you know, if it's one in a hundred million, okay, I guess if, if you're at 8 billion, that's 80. Yeah. Throughout the population. But, you know, if that shrinks, that's fewer, that is fewer people to potentially drive these major innovations. And if mm -hmm. there's a bit of variance in exactly when these individuals are born, there's a, perhaps a probability that you'll go a longer stretch without finding. Yeah, that's an interesting, I hadn't. People who drive innovation. I never thought of that. That's, that's really interesting. Oh, I mean, once again, uh, I put the <laughs> cautionary note that somebody might be listening and have some, yeah. but you're forgetting about this one point and then leave a comment. Cause I think, you know, I can, I can kind of link that away from just the idea that there might be one, right. Like one super entrepreneur, right. We might lose one or two. Um, but you know, one of the benefits of growth and kind of agglomeration in general is you get these spillover benefits, um, right. Like we cluster people in cities and spaces and like that helps kind of drive what's happening there. And realistically, if you have fewer people and assuming that they're kind of in the same proportion, right. Like Los Angeles is getting smaller about the same level. New York is getting smaller. You're missing some of those um, spillover benefits that cities have. Um, you know, some of it could be like what part of the population is declining. If, you know, if I had to guess on data, I would imagine that, Populations are, I mean, I, well, I know for a fact that California is seeing, right, massive people, massive amounts of people leaving. Well, they're just leaving. Yeah. They're leaving, right? Like, that's a decline of population in California. Um, and so, like, I would imagine that cities probably are likely to see bigger reductions from smaller families. I, I don't know. That's a very broad generalization. Um, but I would imagine that cities would see it first as a percentage change. So you, you might lose some spillover benefits from just fewer people in an area, not as much kind of activity happening. Yeah, yeah that's a, that's a good point. And one that um, I hadn't thought about the spillovers on that side. Yeah. So, well, right. It's kind of connected with the, uh, with like, right. The idea of economics of innovation oh. is you have enough people in an area. One of them yeah. might be a super successful entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, and then the other ones who start businesses will create jobs for other people. And you might have a little bit less of that. Correct. Correct. No, that makes sense. Any other huge problems? And I mean, honestly, I went to, you know, I, 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 in my searching, I saw, I wasn't overly impressed by what a lot of people had said, including, you know, the very basics of like going to Wikipedia and like, what is the Wikipedia entry on this? Mm -hmm. A lot of it had to do with what you were saying, like um, GDP per capita, yeah. you know, is it, Population decline, how does it relate to GDP per capita versus GDP increasing or decreasing? Well, to me, that's almost a separate issue, right? I mean, yeah. you know, of course they could be related, but if if we have economic growth per capita, that's fantastic. If we don't, that's problematic. I'm really hoping we have somebody who like specializes in this area who just happens to be listening. 
Um, but I'm curious, just like, I mean, I'm thinking about this, like on the spot. So again, that's going to be my caution is um, I'm coming up with this on the spot. Um, our economy has gotten very strong given economies of scale. Um, generally, we do a pretty good job of producing stuff, shipping it out places. And I'm curious, like if you think about if, if, if this is a concern where we're not producing as much stuff, so we're not as efficient as we could be. Right. So like, let's say like we lose half the country, right? Like half the country's gone. Um, our infrastructure is set up for economies of scale that we're producing corn in Nebraska, but like now you have fewer people. And so I actually, I wonder if the GDP per capita wouldn't. So the, the assumption is right. GDP would decline, but population would decline. So GDP per capita might stay the same. But I wonder if it would. Like, I wonder if like the the drop in GDP would be so much larger, mostly because we rely so much so heavily on just in time manufacturing or kind of these economies of these this efficiency um, mm-hmm. idea of where things are produced. I wonder if it if it, like the spillover benefits decline enough that we don't produce as much stuff and we actually see a GDP per capita drop. With that big of a drop, yes. I mean, it might not be thankfully. Huge. Be I like think maybe seventy-five to seventy, right? Like, but it's just it's meaningful enough that. Yeah, thankfully, I think it's going to be. I think it's it's much more gradual. Yeah. Fortunately. Oh yeah. Um, but the um, no, I mean, I think if you have infrastructure for three hundred and forty million, and if we were suddenly down to two hundred million. Uh, it makes sense that not only would GDP drop, but GDP per capita could drop if we lose yeah. if we lose some efficiencies. Well, there. I think about it like efficiency in the sense of like, right? Take Sealand's Grove for example. Like, what if right over a long period of time, like one grocery store closes, right? Like maybe we're at the max, but one of them closes and you get to keep all the rest of them. In a like in a marginal sense, like it's not that big of a deal. Right, but like everyone who picked the closest grocery store now has to go to a slightly further away grocery sure. store. Yeah, that's um, a fair point. Right, and I, I think about like even like you lost, or you can think about like you probably go to the closest grocery store in your hometown. Do you, or do you go? Somewhere I do. Else? I do. Yeah, you the closest one, right? It, it does help that um, it's Wise Markets, and we are the Sigmund Wise, Wise School, School. business named after the founder. But so, um, how much? Okay, so the Wise is your closest one. How okay, actually, so maybe I should ask this as like a weird side note. Uh, this is a Pennsylvania thing, so Pennsylvania people, you might not get this. Is it wise or is it wise? I think, it's, people... I, I think it's wise just because that's wise. the way they say it in the grocery store. Okay, I've always wondered that. Yeah, um, yeah, I could sing the jingle, but nobody needs to hear me <laughs> sing, so that that might be uh, a bonus episode if we ever do like a, a we need we need clips, right? Actually, that's yeah. what we need. I think we need uh, like uh, the outtakes, the cuts that don't happen. Yep. Um, so how far away is the next grocery store? Two minutes, four minutes? Uh, if there's no traffic, Mm -hmm. the next closest would likely be the giant, which is on 1115 for, uh, for the listeners near Sealands Grove, which will be like, (laughs) you know, there's a few students who've listened. Um, thank you to those who have, that would probably be a, um, I bet it's a 10 minute drive. It goes from about three to 10 12 yeah, right so like i but i think this is always that story when they talk about efficiency um i always think about the uh when you're going through airport security and people are like oh taking off your shoes it's not that big of a deal but when you think about like 10 seconds for every person who flies every single day like then it adds up um 
And yeah. so I think about that where like, right, it's just, it's just five more minutes uh, if one grocery store closed, but like collectively that could be really huge. And like, that might be like the extent of population decline as you get slightly fewer businesses, but now everything's further away. Uh, I, I think you're, you're right. And that would be a pain. I think that would at least be partially upset if the population declines that much, there'd be fewer people on the road. So it'd be a little bit more efficient to get to get to and from places. But yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, the, right, you'd have higher costs, but maybe people are paid more. You would expect to, people to be paid more because there's fewer workers, but you'd also expect higher costs, not just because of people being paid more, but you know, you'd lose a little bit of the economies of scale. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of, I don't have a good answer. Like again, listeners, I've come up with this right on the spot. Um, I'm kind of curious if like, if population declined like in that sense where we lose just a, a few businesses, like would that have a bigger impact than we really realize? But then, like you said, right, this is a, a centuries problem. We'll probably never know. It's, the actual I imagine it'll be so marginal, but I mean, certainly small towns have faced this. I mean, there, mm-hmm. there are towns that have lost their stores and clearly can't be fun to go from one, go to the next town over. I mean, there's, you you want to start a riot in a small town? Tell them they might have to close the post office. There's yeah. uh, that politically, right? You know that's not what a politician's in business to do. That's what I have I have driven away from Sealands Grove towards Harrisburg. Um, I don't remember why I was doing it. I left Sealands Grove and I went south yeah. instead. Um, and I remember driving through some of those towns, thinking, "Oh wow, how do people live here?" Um, like I was driving through, and I was like, "There's a McDonald's and a Subway," and like, but you'd see houses along the road. You'd see like a local auto parts place. And I'm like, but man, your only food choices are this subway and this, uh, this McDonald's. And I'm like, you got to drive. I feel, I feel annoyed when I have, when there's traffic on my five minute commute to Kroger. Um, I couldn't imagine like a 30 minute commute to pick up groceries weekly. Um, I just, I would be, and I will say, so I will admit for everybody listening, I am incredibly spoiled. And I will say, I I have no qualms saying I'm very privileged in the sense that I have never had a real commute. Um, Everywhere I've lived, I I would rather have a more expensive house and a five minute commute than to live 30 minutes away. Yeah. We have, we have faculty and staff down in Blacksburg. We have faculty and staff who live in Roanoke which is a bigger city, um, but it's like 30, 40 minutes away. And in my mind, I look at that and I go, man, that's like an hour to an hour and a half every single day that you just spend in your car. And I go like the things I think about opportunity costs, the things that I could do with an extra hour and a half every single day of your life. Yeah. Of my life. Like, I, like I love podcasts. I'll listen to music, but I don't, I, I would, well, we, I, would, I mean, like, we we wouldn't be doing this, right? right we, we, we lost an hour a day for five days a week. We can't do this show. So, so maybe the people who are commuting are the are our big supporters. Are, are, yeah, listening. So we're telling you how miserable your your life choices are. <laughs> I'm glad other people listening. do it. Um, uh, I just I am I really need to be like close. Yep. Like every house I think I've looked at, I'm like, how far does it take me to get to work? Yep. Do I drive by a coffee place so I can get like a McDonald's coffee, Starbucks? I don't care what it yep. is. You know, do I drive by coffee and is it like kind of a direct shot there? Um, yeah, I know it's tough. Fair. So any, um, any benefits 
what anything on your list of benefits if this happens i have one or two i mean well so i think you mentioned one right like the um the congestion side of i wouldn't even say cities i I mean there's very few places i think it's all relative right like congestion um congestion in a city is is obviously very different than congestion in a small town but like they still have congestion it's still annoying um so i would imagine like that would I would like that. Um, slightly fewer, less competition for things. Um, if I had to actually, this has always been kind of an annoyance. This is actually going to go back to my comment about like, what if you have one less business uh, that exists? I think a potential benefit, and this is going to be very strange, but I think you, could, I could imagine a world where um, you get more efficient businesses rather than less efficient businesses. So this is gonna be, uh, I think a very big stretch, okay? So take this for another consideration. I've always been surprised at the number of gas stations that exist. I think in my mind, there's too many gas stations. Um, Mostly because like I very rarely see every pump full. Um, There's generally always excess capacity. And I'm like, how are, like, why do we have five? We could survive with four. and so I'm curious, I would, I could imagine a situation where if we have a slightly smaller population that we might have, this is like the exact opposite of economic theory. Cause normally economic theory is like the more business, you're only going to get the better competition happening. But I could imagine a situation where things could get better in a very small sense, in the sense of like, we don't need five, we only have four gas stations. And so now there's like a it's not more competition, but like, man, maybe I'm not explaining this in a very good but, way. At but all. the four that survive are the stronger four. The four that survive are probably stronger, um, right? Like you go from 20% of the market to 25% of the market. So you want to try to keep a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, some of our best companies are are companies that have a large market share. They're generally not what we would consider like textbook competitive market, zero profit companies. like. Right, we look at the things Amazon does, and we're like, "Oh, they do so many cool things." We get three day shipping or two day shipping and stuff, um, or even like, I think like like Target, right? Target and Walmart, yep. they generally do like. A, I don't love Walmart, but man, they are incredible. They're incredibly efficient. Um, I don't shop there, but like Target and Walmart are really cool. But when I think about like my neighborhood gas station, their profits are way smaller, and I like I very rarely walk into a gas station where I'm like this is impressive. They're doing a good job. So I wonder if some like consolidation might actually make things better rather than interesting. I, well, I would think, I would think the offset of competition would negate that, but, but I I mean, I see the point, right. If the most, if you're dealing with fewer on the efficiencies, the, but I think, I mean, you touched on something as well. I mean, it, it somewhat deals with the congestion issue. I mean, there's a set amount of natural resources, in the yeah. world right and if you have a smaller population in theory right it's more it's either more natural resources per person mm-hmm. or if each person uses the same amount of natural resources it's it's overall um reducing the amount of natural resources that are used so it's either more per capita reducing the amount that's used overall or potentially some combination of both that's that seems like a positive that's a really um, good one i think um we, well we talked about older there's going to be a pressure on the elderly. Mm-hmm. Well, if 
population is shrinking, then there's fewer younger people. The the entitlement, so to speak, is is school funding. Mm-hmm. So in oh. theory, we could save on that. Although if it's oh. sudden, man, there's some nasty inefficiencies if it's sudden, right? I mean, like let's yeah. you, you mentioned yeah. dropping two hundred million. Right. Let's say we dropped in half. I mean, what do we do with all of the teachers right now? Right. I mean, that's that's yeah. ugly. But if it's gradual and slow over time, so you know, I hadn't even thought about that. Of just right, like there's so much funding that does go towards. Um, right. Like, uh, I think Medicaid, right? Like meta, yeah. I always get these confused on which one's for old. Meta, one's for Medicare K- is for seniors. Medicaid yes. is for, I think, impoverished. I'm not hundred percent, but yeah. But I think a lot of it is like, I, I think a lot of Medicaid is geared towards children, children or birth. It is low. Oh, it's, sure. it's income yep. based. Yep. Um, yep. but it's generally connected with the children. Um, I hadn't even thought about that. That's actually super interesting. Um, that you would have those savings in that space or right. Even if you're not changing, actually, this could be really interesting, right? Like even if you're not changing your education spending, if you kept it the same, you're essentially devoting more money per pupil and you might actually get more productive workers and you could actually see um, more GDP, right? Like you each, each child is now getting slightly more attention, more training, more funding, that's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Brian, so Brian, this is amazing. This is an amazing topic. Uh, yeah. Call back to Brian. Um, Brian picked an amazing topic. Yeah. Uh, Cause I think he has stumped both of us now on whether we want this to be, whether we want bigger or smaller. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I know, I don't know this well enough to say what's better. Um, the third thing that I think, I don't know if it's um, good or bad, but I, I think it's an interesting interaction. Okay is if you have the population decline, how much does artificial intelligence help to offset the need for more, the the loss of yeah. workers? I think that's kind of fascinating. Yeah. Um, so Bill Gates has a famous thing. Have you heard of, have you heard his pitch on this? Uh, um, I, I taught this in I my labor know. class. I, I kind of brought up this idea of like, look, people aren't taking care of the elderly. What should we do? Automation. Um, and he is an incredible, uh, he's a big comp- uh, proponent of he calls it a robot tax, um, but essentially arguing that um, we, as an economy, we we tax businesses on their profits, but we also tax them on how they're hiring workers. Um, right, like they you know they pay half of the income tax and social security tax things like that. Um, but then he made the argument that essentially, if you have a company that replaces a worker with a robot, like you're losing part of that tax revenue um, that's going to fund social security, right? Like they pay half the social security, they pay half of the Medicare tax. Um, it's possible that like you see a, a bigger increase in the profits, but you might not, they might change pay or something like that. Um, and he ar- basically argued that we need to move away from uh, funding a large portion of our healthcare for senior citizens to stop basing it on labor because we're seeing a decrease in labor and that we should start thinking about maybe a value added tax or a capital tax or some sort of production tax because automation is producing things. And so what matters is it that you're taxing production or you're taxing the way it's produced. And we currently tax the way it's produced rather than the actual production. That's a fascinating point. Yeah. Yeah. It's super interesting to think about. Um, but like that would be in that kind of same yeah. same scenario where, and that was one of the arguments was basically you take that tax revenue from robots and you can either invest in 
uh, paying people better wages to take care of senior citizens or investing in some sort of automation, artificial intelligence to help take care of senior citizens? No, that's, yeah. No, that's a, that's a, that's an interesting point. And again, I don't know the interaction, yeah. but it, it would play out. So yeah, I think a big thanks to, big thanks to Brian. on. Yeah, that. Brian, you picked a, you picked a very good topic. Um, a, so please share this of, so that we can brag about you to your friends. Yeah. Ahead <laughs> of time. Um, I mentioned, I didn't tell, I didn't tell Jadrian what it was, but I mm-hmm. mentioned how I had a great, uh, pop culture one and you weren't sure yet. I don't know. I can go first if you, uh, are not sure yet on what you'd like to share for a pop culture. <sighs> I'm trying to think if I have any sort of, uh, yes, I have a pop culture thing. I do. Okay. I do. Let me go first okay. because I'm not convinced that mine is that good. If um, you, if you take mine, then I'm going to be crushed. How, how wild would it be? Um, if, uh. If, if I actually do pick the right one, there was a movie that came out um, a couple, I, I don't remember how long ago, but I have a clip um, about it uh, on my website. And it's, I don't remember the people. So I'm going to try to like kind of furiously uh, find it, but you could shrink yourself. Um, and so like you could volunteer to shrink yourself to like take care of, it was more focused on like climate change. Hmm. Um, oh, it's called downsizing. Is okay. the name of the movie. This isn't your. This isn't your thing. This right? was not mine. This okay, is not mine. Yeah. So it's starring Matt Damon. Uh, it was a 2017 science fiction comedy. Uh, the idea, if I can find it really fast, uh, searching for a way to address overpopulation and global warming. Norwegian scientist, somebody develop. I can't pronounce it, so that's why I said somebody. Sorry. Uh, develops downsizing, an irreversible process that shrinks you into a very tiny person, but you still get to like live with other little tiny people. And, but like, you don't take up as much space. Mm. And so it was more of like a, it it had a little bit of overpopulation, but it was really focused on global warming. So it's kind of like, honey, I shrunk the kids, but the idea is like, uh, everybody got to like, you could decide if you wanted to do it and stuff like that. And they would pay you to like live in a condo, but you're like this big. Uh, So that's my pop culture one. It is about over fascinating. So mine, um, there's a current show so that episode three just dropped um, when we're recording this. It will probably be episode six or seven is out now, but the season one is not over. And they haven't announced yet, but they're going to do a season two. HBO has a fantastic new show called The Last of Us, which is based on a video game of the same name. And maybe I'm biased because I played the video game. And love the video game. I think it's really one of the best video games of all time. But look, there oh, are pl- that's bold. We should have a conversation about that. Yeah, there are plenty of TV shows and movies mm-hmm. made on video games, and they're almost all universally terrible. This is unbelievable how good it is. But I don't know how much and our listeners know of The Last of Us. It follows um, Joel is essentially uh, a smuggler who's smuggling Ellie in a world where a fungus basically a virus, a fungus, um, infected the population, turned them into zombies or monsters. And, you know, it was pretty easy to transmit. It can be transmitted by biting. There's some places where it might be able to be transmitted through the air. Um, And you've got this population that got overrun by this virus. And so the last of us is the last remaining, you know, the, the small, very small population subset. And it, I mean, it kind of fits in perfect with our discussion, but the timing on this, I actually uh, watched the episode that dropped Sunday yesterday from when we're, we're talking and instantly said, 
Okay, I I have not. I've tried to record from HBO Max, but there is something. Yesterday's episode was so good with economics content. I'm mm-hmm. like, I must. I've got to figure this out. And I spent some time figuring out how to change the settings in Firefox so that I could record. And they they say, look, you know, don't do anything illegal. And I'm going to distribute <laughs> it in terms of fair use, right? Because I'm yeah. making educational point. But I'll have a video that's dropping probably tomorrow when I'm speaking, but it will be out by the time you see this and we'll link it in there. Uh, there's incredible gains from trade on there okay. because there is this... Um, uh, survivalist uh prepper kind of guy who the community comes through and they're all freaking out right if you get bitten or you you get infected and you're going to kill people and they come through and round everybody up from this town this guy hides in his little bunker and they don't catch him and nobody's in the town anymore and so Hmm. he's gathered he had prepared for this he gathers all the stuff he's got a self-sustaining thing going on he's got all the gas he needs from the uh, plant he's got generators he's got gardens he's got more guns than you could imagine he's got everything he needs to be self-sufficient he eventually gets um, a partner uh, who stumbles in and they become involved and they become um, uh, they're they get married actually at the end but a partner um, but doesn't want to deal with anybody else but then joel the main character came in and they show this sequences and he's like look You've got a nice place. You know, he's, it's a nice place here. He goes, you're great. We have everything we need. I don't know why you're here. We're self-sufficient. He goes, mm-hmm. looks over at the fence. He goes, that aluminum's going to be done within a year. I could get you 10 spoles. Um, I have medicine. Um, I, ha- I, have, I have seeds. And then they show later, you know, they trade a gun to get yeah. seeds to grow strawberries. It's just, it's, it, it's okay. incredible. And um, it's uh, the character in this episode. It's um, Nick... Offerman from uh, the the I think that's the the name from Parks yeah. and Rec. Uh, Ron oh, Swanson, yeah, Ron yeah. Swanson. You know, he, Ron Swanson plays the prepper, government anti-government that, survivalist, right? Yes. I mean, it wasn't a big leap for them to think. I wonder if he's available, but uh, the show's un the show's incredible. Um, but the the economics of it is it was it was so clear and like the gains from trade Mm -hmm. that emerged from this. And then there's also a spot where then they're later taking medicine that they didn't have access to. So So there'll be a YouTube clip of that or a YouTube discussion later with a critical commons clip. Yep. 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 And the funny part, YouTube allowed me to put it in. They didn't automatically flag it. I cut the clips about 90 seconds. I have about a seven and a half Mm -hmm. minute video that's going to drop. That'll be out by the time our listeners yeah. hear this. So we'll put that in the description. We'll make sure to share that yeah. over and over and over again. Yes. Clearly, I get <laughs> I'm excited. I, the show is amazing. I love yeah, this show. I need to, oh. I, I, I said I was going to start watching more TV. So maybe this is the show yeah. that'll kick me into it. That's the New Year's commitment that we should all make, right? <laughs> more TV. <not laughs> more television. More, 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 uh, a more inactive lifestyle is what yeah. I mean. Uh, all right. So cheers to your very last day of dry January. Sure. Um, so I hope you have something. Do you have anything planned for tomorrow? Are you going to? I don't know that I'll go anywhere. Okay. Um, I certainly have beers that have been inserted in, into the fridge. So they will be cold. Okay. You have cold beers ready for you. Cold beers. Uh, did you weigh yourself? I've, I've lost about five pounds. Otherwise, I don't okay. feel any different. Um, which isn't honestly, it's kind of a good result. Mm-hmm. Um, lost a little bit of weight, not a ton. Yeah. Um, but if I felt dramatically better, I would probably have been like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Does yeah. that mean I need to be sober all the time? And no, I mean, I don't really drink that much for those. But, you know, it's 
It would have been, it would have raised questions. Uh, so I do I would, think I've yeah. got to probably try like salad February or something in order uh, to to try to keep those five pounds off. So I don't know if I told you this at the B. I, I mentioned it offhandedly, so I I don't I'm not going to call it dry January, um, but I cut out a lot of Coke during this um, nice during this month. I switched to Diet Coke uh, for a lot of it. But I, I started drinking more water regularly, so I kind of I cut it down to like a diet Coke or a seltzer every day, okay. rather than like a, an actual Coca Cola. Um, and then the only beer that I've had is the beer that you and I have had during our recording. So I'm not going to say that I did dry January. I don't think that's that's well, it's not accurate since I'm clearly yeah. drinking on each of our talks. Um, but I will say I did. Uh, we'll, we'll treat it like a cider. I did a yeah. semi dry January. Have you lost weight then as well? I have. Yeah. Very nice. Um, Very nice. I, f- I feel I've, you know, but some of it's, it's hard to tell whether it's cutting down the beer, cutting down the soda, drinking more water, right? Like I'm hitting lots of things and then the semester started. So I am also walking way more. So like today I did not teach today, but I still walked 8,000 steps. Um, so just like walking around, like I walk to the library, I take the stairs. So as a mix of things, I've dropped between five and 10 pounds. I'm not good at, I don't, I don't weigh myself at good enough intervals. Like, um, you know, sometimes I weigh in the morning at night and stuff like that. So it kind of fluctuates a little bit depending on how much junk I'm (laughs) eating. Uh, but the, the walking with the water, with the no Coca-Cola has helped. That's big. Yeah. Well, congrats. That's nice. I, I I figured I'd join. I, I said, Simi, join you. Um, hey, that's healthy. This, this is economics happy hour. So I, I am drinking. And I will say, since now that we got to the end, this Star Hill Brewery Whiter Shade White IPA is actually really good. Like, I, I've really enjoyed this. Which rate? Um, what rating is that getting in your untapped? Not quite a four. It's a, li- it's a little sweet, which is kind of surprising. Um, but I'd put it up there. It's like a 3.8, 3.9. Like it's up there. Um, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I will. Um, yeah. I, I'll update on what I'm going to do to try to offset getting beer again. Uh, <laughs> I, I am thinking I love salads. I love broccoli. Mm-hmm. I need to make those more in my life. But so, yeah, I'm not ready to do a wager yet, but maybe there'll be something for March. So, uh, so listeners out there, you noticed we shout out Brian over and over for this episode. If you have topic ideas that you would like to hear Matt and I talk about, nope. comment, email, Twitter. We are uh, on everything, and that's probably not a good thing, but we do take suggestions and recommendations, and we would rather talk about your ideas. Yeah. Then talk about our ideas. We've got ideas, but like we can save ours. So if there's yeah. something you want to hear, tell us. Yeah. And a big thanks to everybody who has listened, who sent us notes. Really appreciate it. And I guess we'll look forward to uh, seeing you in a, another, another couple of weeks for the next I'll episode. See you in two weeks. Yeah. 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 Well, take care, everybody. All right. Bye. Cheers. Cheers. I almost forgot.